Thank you for selecting this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center's Media Ministry. Sit back and relax and prepare to hear God's Word. And now here's today's speaker. 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. And once again, it is good seeing all of you today in the house of the Lord. It is good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. I'm here to declare to you that I came to help you today. I came to give to you what the Lord has given unto me. To pour out my sacrifice of service upon his altar. I pray that you hear what the Lord's about to say. First Kings, the 18th chapter. Some very familiar verses of scripture are happening here. First Kings, the 18th chapter. Verse number one of first Kings 18. It says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show thyself unto Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. What's the big deal about that? Well, let me tell you. For a long time, the children of God have been serving, have been between two opinions. And we'll look at this. They've been between two opinions, whether they were going to serve Baal, the God or the pagan God, Baal. Or whether they were going to serve the God of Israel. They were halt between two opinions. Because they were serving Baal, God stopped the rain. He sent Elijah actually in 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, verse number 1, to go before the king Ahab and told him that it will not rain again until I say so. It won't rain until I say so, the Lord says. Three years have passed and the Lord goes back to the prophet Elijah and tells him, go back to the king because I'm about to make it rain again. But before he does that, there's a confrontation. And we'll look at the confrontation that the God of Israel, our God, has with uh, the prophets of Baal or God will judge our God, will judge uh the God Baal. Hear me as we go through this. If you skip down to verse number number 17, we'll do a little bit of reading here. First Kings 18, verse number 17. It says, It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel. But thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. He said, I haven't troubled Israel. I have not brought trouble to Israel. You have, because you and your fathers, the former kings, have served Baal. Baal. You have served him, and you have forsaken the Lord. So you have brought trouble. You have brought the wrath of God. You have caused it not to rain. 
He goes on to say in verse number 19. Now, therefore, send and gather to me all the all Israel upon Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450 and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Of course, he sins and they all come together. And let me go on down. Let's read on to verse number 20. So Ahab went, rather, so Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came, un, came unto all the people and said, How long haunt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal or Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Here is the main point, as we'll speak from the subject today, of let God be God. Let God be God. He says here to them, he asked them a stirring question. Because the king had been, Ahab had been endorsing Baalism. He had erected monuments or and even built a Baal, a temple, a, a house of worship. And the people of God were halt. They were between two opinions. Should we serve, continue to serve Baal or should we serve God? Often they would serve Baal and not serve God. You find out that Baalism was so prevalent in the land, in God's land, that even the king's wife, Jezebel, sought to kill the prophets of God. Sought to kill them. But there was a righteous man who saved, or he gathered 150 of God's men and of God's prophets and hid them in a cave and fed them with bread and water. But Baalism sought to snuff out God in the land and his and his ordinances, the statutes and commands. Now, what is the big thing about Baal? Why would the people turn from God and worship Baal? Why were they between two opinions? Why would they halt between two opinions? Now, the answer for that you'll find actually in that verse, if you stay with me. So here, the, here it was word of the Lord to them. Why are you halt between two opinions? When we think of halt in today's modern day terms or language, uh, a wording, we think of stop. We think of halt. Who goes there? Stop. But halt in the Hebrew does not mean to stop. It actually means to be lame, to limp, to be limp, lame, limp, to be somewhat ineffective. They were between two opinions, two opinions. Now, in order to form an opinion, You've got to make a judgment. You've got to size something up, gather some amount of facts, and then you can make an intelligent decision, and that's your opinion. So they had seen some facts, at least they thought about, with Baal, some benefits with Baal, and they had seen some benefits with God. But they could not fully decide which one to commit to. This is all about commitment. They were halt or they became lame. Their worship, they became ineffective in every area of their lives because they were not fully committed. 
Elisha says, well, if God be God, then be fully committed to him. But if Baal be God, then be fully committed to him. How long will you be halt or lame between two opinions? You are ineffective. You are lame. You are limp. How long? What's the question? How long? Well, in order for us to get the full meaning and flavor of this verse, we've got to understand what we've got to understand or have more information about Baalism. What took place there with Baalism and why was it so attractive to the people of God? Well, we find there that Baal uh, was a God, small g, of fertility. He was the God that was supposed to bring blessings upon the land. We're going to see this. He was supposed to bring blessings upon the land, upon your animals, and also upon your family to bring your, to make your household more fertile or your wife more fertile. Land, animals, and family. He was the one that was supposed to bring blessings on all three. Land, your animals, and your family. Well, how were they going to worship him or invoke his power or, or invoke his blessings? Well, two ways primarily. One, of course, they, well, three, they would uh, worship uh, at the altar with sexual acts. They would actually have sex on the altar to invoke the blessings of Baal. And his temple, Baal's temple, was, was staffed. Understand this. They were staffed by uh, temple prostitutes or priests, if you will, prostitute priests who would assist you in your worship of Baal anytime you want to come in and worship. They will also they would also have uh, human sacrifices and and it was also part of their uh, worship to cut themselves and, and rend themselves. And we'll see this further on down the Lord willing. You'll see it in the 18th chapter. They would cut themselves or rend themselves and allow bless, allow blood to gush out of them in order to get Baal to move. Baal's name means owner, lord, possessor, husband, master. Now, why is all that important? The Lord Jesus tells us there in the New Testament that you cannot serve two masters. You will either love one or hate the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now understand something here. The children of God, the children of Israel, had begun to serve Baal. The altars of God had been torn down. As we see here in the 18th chapter, Elijah begins, when he begins to uh, present his sacrifice before the Lord in the great showdown, he had to repair the altar. And he proclaims, I'm the only one left. Y'all have killed the rest, so he thought at that time. Baalism had so much, almost strangled the people of God, or so much convince them that they need to serve Baal and not God. And the only way that God could cause them to see the truth, he had to stop the rain. Because Baal was supposed to make the land fertile. It was Baal that was the one who was supposed to make it rain. 
It was Baal the one that was supposed to make our crops grow and, and make our animals reproduce. It was Baal was the one to do that. So God said, okay, I see you in your mess and I have loved you even when you were in your mess and I caused it to rain because I loved you, but because you won't turn from him, I'm going to stop it. And then show me what your Baal can do. And for a period of three years, it did not rain. There was not even morning dew. Nothing. God cut them off. And they began to seek. The king began to seek the man called Elisha. Elijah, rather. He began to seek him. Remember when we just read when he finally found him, when Elijah showed up, he said, are you the one that troubles Israel? He said, "Uh uh-uh, not me, but it's you, king, because you allowed this foolishness to remain here. Understand Baal or Baalism and what it, what he promised the people, what that God promised the people. Because they were guilty then, and some of us are still guilty today. Hear me. Baal promised to bless their land. Land. If they would worship him. He promised to bless their animals if they would worship him. He promised that he would bless their families, their people, make them fertile if they would worship him. Well, how were they worshiping him? One, as I said before, they chiefly came to give up their bodies. They came to give up their flesh. Either cutting or renting or by sexual acts on the altar or by human sacrifice. Baal said, give me your flesh. If you give me your flesh, I will bless your land. If you give me your flesh, I will bless your animals, make them more fertile. If you give me your flesh, I will bless your families. I will bless your wives. You'll have a lot of children if you give me your flesh. And he had priests at the door of the altar, uh, the temple temple prostitutes that were ready and that were willing to come in and help you, assist you in giving your flesh to the worship of Baal so that you could get the blessings on your land, on your animals, on your family. If you only give up your flesh, not your spirit, but your flesh. What's the big deal about that? Are y'all still with me? You only understand the real crux of the matter when you understand what the land, the animals, and the people being fertile, what that all actually represents. Because Baal was promising them, if you give me your flesh, I'll bless your land. What does that mean? In other words, I'll make you, make your, make you have a, a plentiful harvest. And if you, if you have a plentiful harvest, you can make a lot of money because you can sell your crops. So for him to say, I will bless your land means that I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to supply all of your needs. Serve me with your flesh. And I will make sure that you prosper financially. With your animals, livestock. When you were thought to have a lot of animals, a lot of goats, a lot of lambs, a lot of rams, a lot of sheep. You were thought to be prosperous. In the community, you had some clout. You were the head man on campus. You were the man. You had clout. 
you have a certain greater social standing. So Baal was saying, come give me your flesh and I will make you respected in your community. I will lift your name up above all others. Just come and serve me and you will get this. One, I'll give you money. Two, I'll give you social standing. I'll make you respected. And three, I'll bless your family. Make your family fertile. I'll put blessings on your household if you just give me your flesh. And so here are all the people. Surely we all want money. Surely we all want to be respected, well respected. And surely all we, sure we all want our families to be blessed and have lots of children, our family line to go on. Baal saw that and began to twist and pervert that desire. And now all the people wanted to do was come in and worship so that they can get this. God now taken out of the equation. You stay over there. Because the God of Israel said, serve me. I deserve all the glory. I deserve all the honor. I deserve all the praise. I will share no glory with no one else. But the people of God said, well, that doesn't benefit me. It benefits you, but it doesn't benefit me. But over here with Baal, if I serve him well enough, if I put in enough hours, if I put in enough time, I'll make this money. Uh, if I do this, I'll, I can buy this kind of house. I can buy this kind of car. I can live here. My family will be happy and marvelously blessed if I just give up my flesh. And so, people of God, halt. Don't know what to do. Because they want the stuff. But they realize they got an obligation to serve God. Well, so, eventually the children of God delivered. You read there in the 18th chapter, the prophets of Baal, there was a showdown there. Elijah tells the prophets of Baal, you put, up, put an altar up and you sacrifice your God and they did all that and nothing happened. Elijah came and he did his and God uh, burned, uh, sent fire down from heaven. They said earlier, whoever, whatever God answers by fire, let him be the God. And they agreed. God answered by fire. And they knew God was God. But not too much longer than that. After that, they went right back to it. What's happened today? Is Baalism gone? No, it's just under another name. It's called Mammon. Now we forsake God again for money, for power, for position. And now we come into the house of God under the same influence and mindset of not serving God for him to be glorified, but that so we be lifted up. Oh, this is something that we're all guilty of. I told Brother James earlier, the Lord baptized me in the spirit of that message. You need to hear me, hear what the Lord says. And so we come to the house of God with that same mindset. I will serve to get. 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 I will give to get. I will sing to get. I will rub shoulders with you to get. And no longer is it I'm serving for the glory of God. 
But now it's, I'm serving so that somebody else will see me and I get my big break. Praying that God will bless your lands. Praying that God will bless your animals. Praying that God will bless your families. Serving to get, but not serving to give. Hmm. Is that spirit dead? Absolutely not. Because for a lot of us in the church today, if Baal, whose name is Mammon now, were to call you on the phone and tell you, I will pay you $100 an hour, you'll go. On the day when you have met God in your special time, he tells you, I will pay you for that time. Release that time you've been spending with God and give it to me and I'll give you $100 an hour. Most of us wouldn't even answer God's phone call anymore. We have chosen the God that we serve. And now, what about the temple prostitutes? They're still there. They're called preachers. They're still there. Because when someone comes in the church with a talent, they immediately begin to grab hold of their flesh, seeing the benefit that they will receive. Let me help you give up your flesh at the altar. Don't care anything about the spirit. I just want your flesh so I'll look better. So my land will be blessed. So my animals will be blessed. So my crops will be blessed. So my family will be blessed. Let me, you come on to my church. All y'all come on to my church. Come on to my church. Come on to my church. Because if I get enough people at my church, they'll come and bring their tithes and offerings. And then we'll have more money in the church. And then I can drive a bigger car. I can live a bigger house. I'll be benefited. Oh, the prostitutes are still there today. Prostituting the flesh of men and women. Prostituting their talents and their gifts with no regard to the person. I pray that you hear what's going on. How long are we going to be halt between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. If Baal be God, serve him. Someone must draw the line. And say, for God I live, and for God I will die. I will serve the Lord Jesus with all that I've got. I'm going to bring my alabaster box of sacrifice into the Lord Jesus. And I will pour it upon him, not expecting for anything in the return, but just to bless him because I love him. It used to be enough to invite someone to church because you said that, you're, that the Spirit of God was there. And that the man of God preached the word of God. But now we have to entice them because of, with our programs. Come over here because we got a pool. Come over here. You can do this. Come over here. You can do that. We're still grabbing for the flesh. But not the spirit. Still worshiping Baal. And it's a stench in the nostrils of God. Still after stuff and not after the kingdom. Well, the Lord takes these thoughts up. He, he begins to sprinkle that whole notion and concept all throughout the word of God. He tells them there in the book of James. He tells them about being double-minded. 
And he says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't let him even think that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. Because you're double-minded, you're halt, you're lame, you're limping, your family's limping, limping, your finances are limping, your ministry is limping because you have not decided who is God and who will be the provider. Understand again, Baal's name also meant husband, provider, protector, sustainer, husband. Who is your husband? Who is your husband? That word is echoed over there also in the book of James where the Lord says, you adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Why are you tipping out of my marriage bed going over to sleep with Baal again? Don't you know that my spirit yearns for you? Leave him alone. I will be your husband. I will be your provider. I will be your sustainer. You don't need to creep around. You don't need to scheme and, scheme and connive trying to get your way like he does. I'm a better husband than he is. There's an eternal struggle as Baal continually trying to, trying to snuff out the worship of the one true God. As Mammon continues to try to snuff out the worship of the one true God. And what do we see here? There are other examples. We've given them several times before. Where someone tells me, and I've heard this several times, I would come back to church, or I would go to your church, or, or I stopped going to that church because somebody offended me. Well, was the word of God incorrect? No. Were they serving some other gods there? No. Why'd you leave? They offended me. Huh. One person out of 30 offended you. One person out of 100 offended you. One person out of 1,000 offended you and you left. Huh. hmm But if that same person was put on a job making a substantial amount of money, and if everybody on the job cursed them out, they would still stick there because they're serving money. And no matter how much you would have offended them, they may go home and cry, but Monday morning, they'd be right back there on that job again. Supervisor could curse them out, slap them out. For years, they're sure on the job. For 20 and 30 years, under a harsh taskmaster, but they will stay because they, because they love the money. They're serving mammon and not God. But you offend somebody in the church. And the seat won't even be cold before they leave. What's the problem? What's the problem? We're still serving Baal. We're not serving God. This concept has been predicated or it has been indoctrinated in us from our youth. And it's hard for us to get away from. What do I mean about this concept? Because our grandparents and our parents have told us, if you study hard, work hard, you can get a good job and you can make a lot of money. You get a lot of money, you can buy this nice house. And so for years we grow up. 
I, one day I'm going to get a job like this and, and I'll have this and, and I'll have that and I'll have this and I'll have that. If I just work hard enough, if I just work hard enough, I'll have this and I'll have that. I'll have this and I'll have that. One day I'm going to be like this movie star. I want to sing here. I want people to give me all the respect. I want this. I want that. I want them to clap for me. I want to do this for me and do that for me. And it's been ingrained in us. For years. But where is the glory of God? It is non-existent. It is only the glory of self. If I can make enough, I can buy this. And then when they see me riding down the road, I'll yell out, how you like me now? If I can get the bling bling, all the gold or, or the frosty frosty, then they'll really respect me. They'll respect me then. Still wanting Baal to bless your land, your animals, still wanting to bless your family, making them fertile. Where is the glory of God? When do we say, I'm going to come to church to clean up, to clean the nasty toilets for the glory of God? It's so much in our society today that tobacco companies have been known to, to, to give a billion dollars in advertising, to pay a billion dollars in advertising, to tell others that they spent or they donated a, a million dollars to a charitable organization. You spend a billion dollars to tell others that you donated a million dollars. You want everybody to know what you did. Where is the worship, the true worship of the Lord? Where is his true worship? Where, where, where is the true commitment? Where it is, where is it? Now our lives do not revolve around service to God. Our lives revolve around our jobs. When we can fit God in, we'll fit him in. But it used to be a time when people revolved their lives around the Lord and their service to him. They were so committed to him that they would say no to other things if it interfered. What has happened? The Lord has already struck the God of this nation, Mammon, who is Baal. And he'll strike him again. And those that are caught in his temple, in his service, worshiping him, are going to feel the brunt. Who is your God? Who is your God? Let us not be hypocritical. Who is your God? Or should I say, who do you want to be your God? You have to make that decision and then commit. Are you with me today? There's another scripture I want you to get. Go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews 10. One verse.
The word haunt there also means, uh, in the English language, it also means, not only means to stop, you're frozen right there between commitments. You've not made a full commitment. Halt also means to waver. This word is, like I said, is echoed all throughout the scripture because it's also echoed there in the book of Revelations, the, I believe the third chapter, as the Lord says to the churches, I want that you were either cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, in other words, you are halt between opinions. I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you are so in tune to you and not to me. The Bible declares that in the book of Revelation as well, that we were created for his pleasure. But we seek to do things that we will be directly benefited. And when someone won't let us do our thing so that we can be benefited, we get angry. Flesh begins to rise up. Instead of letting the Lord make room for your gifts, we seek to make room for our gifts. Let me send up a, a CD so that you'll see it. Look at me. Call me. Instead of letting the Lord promote you, because promotion does not come from the east or from the west, but it comes from the Lord. Instead of letting the Lord elevate your voice and put you on high, we seek to, where's the ladder? Let me say one more thing too. So the Lord showed to me. I'm telling you, the Lord really baptized me that message Wednesday night. You got to get a copy of it. He dealt with me very much. Success, we long for success. Success over the land, that is the money. Success over the animals, that is social status. Success in our families. Long for success. But success is relative. It is like beauty in the eye of the beholder. What is beautiful to one man could be hideous in the eyes of another man. What is good to one may be bad to another. In a third world country, one man sleeps with dirt floors in a small hut. And he is honored in his village as Mr. Big Stuff. As others sleep outside. But over here in the United States, we see the man in the hut and we say, man, you're impoverished. You're really broke. You don't, you're not successful. Look at me. I'm successful. I got three bedrooms and I got two bathrooms. I'm successful. But there's another man who lives in a million dollar mansion, looks down at him and says, no, you're not successful, but I am successful. So what really determines success? When success is relative here on this earth. What makes one pastor that is a pastor over 10 people think that he is unsuccessful when he looks at a pastor that is a pastor over 10,000 people? He begins to look down at himself and say, I only have 10. Surely I'm not successful. But the one that's a pastor over 1,000 or 10,000 says, I am successful because I have so many. How do we determine success? Success can only be... Determine when you look in God's filing cabinet. Hear what I'm about to say to you. Because in God's filing cabinet, it has your job and duty assignment. You pull it out, pick it up. 
if it is your assignment to pastor 15 people for 15 years, then you are successful. But if that same pastor 15 looks up to the pastor that has the 10,000, if he's in the flesh, he would say that he's not successful. But in God's eyes, he's successful. We have stopped looking to God and we've looked to Baal and his standards of success. I pray you're hearing today. You don't know if you're successful or not until you check up with the father. Do you check with your assignment? This little girl, she prepared her, her project in school. She worked all day and all night. She went to the, to the library, to the internet. She researched, got encyclopedias. She researched, researched, researched. And she said, I know I'm going to get an A on this project. I know I am. I put in the time. I put in the effort. Uh, she even asked her parents for uh, some color graphics. She went to the office supply store and she bought the finest posters and everything. She said, I know I'm going to make an A. She brought it in. Hand into the teacher, came back the next day, and the teacher put an F on there. Well, she was hopping mad. Her parents were hopping mad. They put, they went to the classroom, they point their finger in the teacher's face, and they say, you are, you are wrong. You are dishonest. You, don't you know what you put in this? The teacher says, yes, but that was not the assignment. I don't care how much time you put in it, if that's not the assignment, you're still getting an F. What is your assignment? Just because you got 10,000 members, if God called you to be a plumber, but you're a pastor over 10,000, you got an F. What is your assignment? Who can determine success other than the one that called you? Still, the Lord Jesus says, and that word is echoed in the word. He says, many will say unto me on that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we done this in your name? And Lord, Lord, haven't we done that in your name? Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied and done many good works in your name? Haven't we done, Lord, haven't we done it? Haven't we done that? Who are you again? I don't know you. Depart from me. That was not your assignment. You see, because if we focus so much on the work, if we focus so much on the ministry if we focus so much on building this and building this we can focus so much on it and it becomes flesh and it becomes no longer worship to god but it becomes a worship to flesh so we can get stuff 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 and finally we end the life and the lord says i don't know you you never spend time with me you spend time with the work but you never talk to me so much in tune with trying to get success when you don't even know what success is until you get with the king of glory. Maybe it's your season to just sing in a small church. But we keep thinking, TPN, concerts, sell out, bling bling, Limousine, diamond ring, and then a little church. One day I'll get there, little church. 
I can't stand this little church. Nobody's coming. I don't know why people don't listen to me. They're not coming. Why don't they listen to me? I'm just, I'm just singing my heart out. I'm just preaching my heart out. Nobody come. Nobody come. Nobody come. Nobody coming. You better get your eyes open. Realize what your assignment is. When you realize what your assignment is and where you are on God's timetable, those things will break as it is broken off of me. When you know your season, what you are supposed to be doing when you are supposed to be doing it. There was one lady, I was in one particular service, and I was, as I was bringing forth the word of God, and we're closing. Now, as I was bringing forth the word of God, the Lord impressed upon my spirit to give them, uh, give an example. And I told them there, uh, I said, if you, if you are in the nursery and you're a nursery worker and, uh, no, 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 no. I said, uh, what if someone in the congregation wants to be on the praise team, wants to be on the, on the praise team? They want to, they really want to sing for the Lord. But you're working in the nursery. You're singing over babies and you're wishing that you could be on the praise team in front of the church. I said, maybe God wants you to stay in the nursery so that the anointing of God in you can go over the children and bless the children. Well, I thought it was a wonderful statement that I heard from the Lord. I didn't know how wonderful until the pastor of the church came up to me afterwards and said, come here. Come here. I thought, what in the world? What, what's going on? Did I say something wrong? He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I got a lady in the nursery right now who's been trying to get on the praise team. But I've been telling her it's not time. I thought, oh, my goodness. Brother, you got the car running. They're going to be coming after us in a minute. It's the Lord. If we're so looking forward to great things, living in the future, that we don't expect or we don't receive the blessings of the present. For years, I thought, one day we're going to own a house and, you know, we, we, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, do this, until the Lord said, stop all that mess. Appreciate where you are. Appreciate where you are. We were renting in a two-bedroom, one living room, one kitchen, one bathroom. After we got the revelation, just be happy where you are. We became happy where we were. When I stopped cursing the furniture, I can't stand this furniture. I can't stand this furniture. Lord said, well, just give it away. So we gave it away. Perfectly good furniture. And we sat on the floor. We did. And we waited on God to send us some furniture. Perfectly content just to give it away and wait. We sat on the floor. We sat on chairs from the food bank. We brought some chairs home. We sat on it and waited. And the Lord was faithful. He gave us the finances that we needed and have to beg, borrow, steal, and have to do any of that stuff. He gave us the money that we needed. Praise the Lord. And we went out and we bought new furniture cash. The man tried to persuade us. You want to put on the loan? No. You sure not? We got no interest payment. Man, no. I want to buy this cash today. We waited on the Lord. Learn to be thankful for what you got, where you are. If not, you'll miss the moment. You miss the blessings of the moment, what God's doing now, because we're so looking ahead. 
There's nothing wrong with looking in, looking with Holy Ghost binoculars and, and seeing the vision that's ahead, that's far ahead. But if you keep those binoculars on, you're going to run into everything that's close up. Because you can't see two feet in front of you. Every once in a while you take a look. Oh, praise God. Put it down and deal with the present. When you get weary in the present, pick them up, take a look. Oh, praise God. Put them back down and serve God in the present. Are you with me? What determines success? It's not what somebody else has. It's not about somebody else's marriage. Well, I wish I wish she would treat me like that. I wish he would treat me like that. No, you don't know what they got to deal with to be treated like that. The grass is not always so green on the other side. Learn to be thankful where you are with what you have. Pray. And when it's in the Lord's divine timing, he'll give you better. But begin to love the Lord and do things for his glory. For his glory. When you minister, minister for his glory. When you testify, testify for his glory. When you play or when you pray for his glory. For his glory. Anything else, any other reason, any other motive. You cease your worship of the one true God. And now you're worshiping that other one that only has empty promises. I pray you heard the word of God today. We are done. Friends, I know you have been truly blessed by this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center Media Ministry. Remember, if you are looking for a church home, we would be glad to have you each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center is located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. For more information, give us a call at 770-537-1933 or visit us on the web at www.kingdomrock.org.